Hey. All right. So I am now on the line with a Mr. Leon Rose, who is the creator of School of Salsa, which you started back in 1997. Is that correct? Well, yeah, that's what I started in Paris. Yeah. But okay. I've been doing this a long time. Now. Hey, hey, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's actually based in Paris and London. Um, so you are also a dance instructor, a choreographer, a performer, a host, as well as a comedian. And you've yeah. been dancing salsa for, you said, 22 years now? 22 years, yeah. Hey, hey, that is awesome. How are you doing today, Leon? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just a little bit blocked up right now. I might sound a little strange. Uh, the European weather is getting me, man. It's up <laughs> and down. No, I um, understand, man. I understand, man. <laughs> so, um, so, Leon, I guess I, I really I would like to start this out, man. I'm very curious to hear about, you know, your childhood growing up in London. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I was born and bred in London. So, uh yeah, my my parents gave birth to me in London, <laughs> and here I am. I've uh, it's I got into the salsa world uh, like quite late in my uh, mid twenties. So for me, dancing was uh, something that I did at school with my friends, with my boys. We kind of got together around about I'd say about fourteen, fifteen. That's when I really started dancing on my own, and then. Uh, at like 22, I, I discovered the salsa, you know? Okay. Now, I understand that. I definitely do, man. I, I'm curious, man. Tell me this then, man. So, you know, I guess what were what were some of your childhood hobbies? Did you always grow up dancing or, you know, what, what were some of your hobbies growing up? My hobbies? I was, to tell you the truth, I was a terrible dancer in the beginning. I remember doing my first performance for my family, trying to do some body popping and stuff like that. It was, I realized, you know, not too long afterwards, I was well off time. I was terrible, but uh, my thing was from six years old, I was a gymnast. I did that for quite a few, uh, a couple of years. I was a decent level. I stopped that. I did ballet for one month. Um, I started back up gymnastics. I did a lot of different kinds of sports at school. Uh, That was my thing. And martial arts. And also I did, I trained as an actor as well. So I did some acting training I did. I was in a couple of TV shows in the UK. So, I understand that. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I, I'm very curious. Tell me this, man. You um, you know, you told me that you know your parents were from Trinidad and Tobago. I'm, I'm very curious to hear. You know, what was it like growing up in that household? Uh, music, music. You know, I used to hear like. Every Sunday morning, I used to hear like reggae, like the old time reggae. That was all that was playing in the in in our house on a Sunday morning. That's the what we would wake up to, and there would always be there's always be family parties with music, you know, a lot of dancing, a lot of food, and a lot of people around. You know, it's always it's quite a big, quite a big family network. You know, like in the states, my God, there's one side of my family that's just all over the place. So I've, I've got family all up and down New York, all up and down Canada. And um, in the UK, it was like on my granddad's side. There's a lot of people, a uh, lot of family on, on that side. So it was always having family parties, always dancing, always music. And yeah, so music and dancing is is really in my blood. Okay. Hey, that's awesome, man. I, I'm curious. Tell me this, man. Um, You know, I guess, I guess for one, you know, what, 
brought your parents to London of all places? And and two, you know, I guess what did your parents do as you know we, as a child? You know, what were their daily jobs? Okay, so it was my mother was actually born in uh, the UK. So it was my grandparents that came over from Trinidad. So uh, they came over in the 50s. And um, my grandmother was a nurse. My grandfather was a policeman at one time in Trinidad and a taxi driver. did a lot of different things. And when he came over, he was, uh, I think he was a mechanic. Or uh, he was, he was, I remember at one point I'm going to see him spraying cars. So, you know, they came over here. Those people that came over here for the, uh, oh, when I say over here, came over to the UK for the first time, they were coming to work. These guys were trained in something. So they were coming over after the war. They needed people in the UK. So they went to the islands, brought a lot of people over and India, China. A lot of people came over to work. Okay, and they I needed, got you. Yeah, they needed trained people that were trained to do something. Okay, okay, I understand. I want, a, I want a toy truck. What? But Santa Claus, oh, oh, hold on one second, Santa Claus. I got, hold right back. Uh, hey, if you could leave a like and subscribe for the show, that would be amazing. Uh, let's get back to the episode. Okay, okay, I understand, man. I definitely understand that, man. So, so yeah, you're growing up, you're growing up in London, man. Um, you know, I guess, were you... You know, I guess, what were some of your early, I guess, goals? You know, I guess, like, dreams. Did you grow up wanting to be a dancer, or was there some other thing that you wanted to do? My gosh, you know, dancing was the last thing on my mind. It was, you know, I, um, from about 14 to 17, I really danced a lot. I danced all the time, whatever style it was. Uh, you know, I was into, like, the the New Jack Swing back in the days, I did. I tried to do. You know, I tried a little breaking. I wasn't so good at that, but like uh, you know, all the kind of general hip hop stuff that was around at that time. And then uh, we got into like hardcore. It's like house music, early house music, but it was like real hardcore stuff. But we were dancing our hip hop style to that. And then I went from that into like some dancehall, reggae, like deep hardcore reggae. You know. I used to go to all those bars. I used to have my Kango hat. I had a clip-on gold tooth. And every time I laughed, it would fly out my mouth. Um, and then one day, because I, I was dancing all the time. I was always in the middle. Wherever I went, I was always in the middle. I had a couple of tricks up my sleeve. Like if the guys are doing well, like if we were battling and they were doing well, I'll, I'll do a backflip or I'll drop down into splits because I was still quite um, flexible those times there. And then uh, one day, like, uh, we went to this uh, dance hall club, reggae club, and they had this competition on stage. And uh, so I were all my friends, because they knew I loved to dance, I went up on stage and I had to do the, my dance, and I made up a dance. And I was doing it, but I didn't win. And that hurt me so much that I decided that I'm never going to do a competition again. And then about... Three, four years later, that's when I got into salsa, and that's when I started all over again. So I kind of give up. On, I gave up on dancing for a while. Mm, okay, I understand, man. I definitely understand that. <coughs> and so, so you say you give up on dancing. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. Man. I'm very curious. Um, you know, I guess how did you get introduced to salsa, and how did that come about? Um, is my mother. My mother was. Uh, 
asked me, you know, she was home, like, during the weekend, my dad always used to play football, my mom was home, she wanted something to do, so I said, you know, go go try something different, some, something that you've never done before, and her friends had already started salsa, so she went down there, and after a month, she said, now come down and try it out and see what you think, and I walked into this club, I remember going down the stairs, hearing as the doors open, you feel this heat come out. And then there's this music. I don't, I'd never heard this music before. And it's people spinning all over the place. And I'm like, what the hell? It was like surreal. It was like a, a scene in a movie. And then I was like, what the hell is going on? And then this girl I, during the evening asked me to dance. And I was like, whoa, whoa, I don't, I, I don't know how to dance. She said, don't worry. I'll, I'll lead you. And it was a merengue. But I didn't know the difference between salsa and merengue. And she started leading me. And I said, Jesus, this is the kind of thing I like. I don't have to get drunk to ask a girl to dance. They come and ask me. You know? <laughs> I never you know, said that. I used to go out back in the days just to get confidence, have a couple of shots and say, okay, I'm going to ask this girl to dance. And she turns around and says, huh? no. You know? <laughs> so salsa was something completely different for me. That was it. I was sold. No, I definitely I know what you're saying. I definitely can relate to that, man. Um, I what year what year was that? Do you remember what year that was? That was in 1997. Okay, okay, and um, you know, I guess I'm very curious, man. What what was the salsa scene like in London at that time? Was there a big salsa scene at that time? Salsa was was massive. It was massive, but it was really underground. But there was, um, when I started, there was um, there was always places to go every night. You could always go and dance every night. Even now in London, it's still pretty much the same, even though like you've got the bachata and the gizombo, which is kind of taking crowds in different directions. But back in those days, it was one party with one, you know, with everything in it. And you could go out practically every night. And you could, you could have a good dance every night. It's only maybe Saturday night. There was not a regular thing happening. But the scene was quite good. And for the first couple of years that I started dancing, London was really the base in Europe. A lot of people used to come to London to learn. And because we all would always be coming up with like crazy moves. You know, we, we was, um, you know, when I started teaching and there is Super Mario, um, like, we were the ones that were creating all the craziest stuff. And we would go to the clubs, seek. We, we never went to the same classes, but we'll meet each other in a club. And he said, yo, look at this move that I just learned. Or, and I'll say, look at this move that I just made up. And look at this move. And we'll go, we'll go on. And that, that, that's, that, that's what would come out in our classes. We'd always be teaching something different. So when these guys from L.A. and New York were coming over, um, sometimes... We might get the well. I would say more LA. We, we tend to get the same kind of moves every time. So what we would do, we'd like take those things and create more because we didn't have access to these superstar instructors. We had to create. So that was really the scene in London. That was really a, a time where we had something a little bit different. Okay. And okay. All over Europe, just exploded. All over the world, exploded. Mm. Tell me this, man. I'm very curious to hear, man. Tell me, um, tell me about your your beginner stage, man. You know, what was that first year like learning salsa? What was that like for you? Oh, man, that was that was hard. You know, 
I only used to dance with my mother. I was too frightened to dance with anybody else because I wanted to be good. I wanted to be that one that was spinning these women around on the dance floor, not even worrying about anything, not worrying about the next move that was about to happen. If, when I was dancing, it's like I would have like a set amount of moves that I'd memorized. And after those moves were done, I was stressed. So really, in the first year, I would go out and maybe dance once, twice, three times in a night. Really, it was, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. But I, I stuck at it because I was really, really determined to, to, to get to a level, just get to a level where I could go out and dance with anybody. Now, I definitely understand that. Let me ask you this, man. I, wanna, I definitely want to give value to people who may be listening. So let me ask you this, you know, because um, I, went, I went through it as well, you know. So looking back on your beginner stage, you know, for someone else who may be scared to, you know, ask someone to dance or, or dance more than just one or two songs a night, you know, what advice can you give them? And, and maybe word it in a way like, you know, um, what advice would you have given yourself back then, you know, knowing what you know now, if you understand what I'm saying? You know, I don't know how the scene is in the States as such, but over in the UK, um, there's a lot of part, places like that around Europe. Every party, they would have a class before. So anytime, you, anytime I'd go out, where, whichever club it was, I'd go do the class. Okay. And I learned that, you know, during the class, you're, you're, you're already meeting people. So you dance with those people within your class, within your level, and you try to aspire to get to the next level to dance with somebody in that next level. So if you go and do a class, instantly you're going to know people that are on the same, they're on the same track as you. So just stick with them and like help, help each other to get somewhere. Now, I understand that. And, and in the States, I think a lot of socials, you know, they'll offer, they'll offer a class before the, the party, the social. Yeah. Yeah, so in the States they do that as well. So I understand that. It was different back in the days. Like when I was going to New York, I was going to Copacabana and all like, LQs and all these places that closed down, reopened. I'm talking about salsa history. Here. Um, there, there was always about live bands, all about live music. So there was no, there's no classes before. And then Jimmy Anton's was running from back in the days, and I don't think he he had a, a class before. Maybe he does now, but back in those days, there was no classes. Uh, it was all in the studios, and like in okay. France that in the studios but in the uk it's more you have a party that's where the class is okay now i understand that man i definitely understand that so so you get introduced to salsa man um and i guess you know what i guess you know what i guess what happens after that because did you did you create school of salsa that same year or was that a little time afterwards did i what sorry did you create um you know school of salsa that same year that you learned no. or was that no, School of Salsa is something that I've studied in Paris. Oh, okay, okay. And that it's, it's just like I've worked under different names. You know, um, it's just something I've created recently in the last couple of years in Paris to build up my classes over here. Okay, so okay. My experience comes from back then. Okay, okay, I get you, I get you. That's, what, that's maybe where we got confused earlier on. So, um, yeah, I've been always been somebody that's, try to be original, try to be creative. So from the very beginning. So from the first time I really got to the level 
that I could understand something a little bit different. So when these guys from LA come over, I could take what they gave us and create something else out of that. I would go to New York like once a year, take a move from Nelson Fulares, from Eddie Torres, and create something that could last a year. So it got to the point where I didn't need to maybe go as much. I could, I could create. I was always looking for something different. And I, like, I've never really been somebody that's worried about remembering moves. It's all about creating a new one. So I've, I've had situations where somebody said to me, oh, look, you, look at this move. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I, how you do that? It's like, you taught me that. I don't remember. So um, all right, let me ask you this then, man, because, you know, I've been in the dancing a little a little time as well, man. Um, and I've experienced this myself, man. You know, you get to that stage in your career where you are trying to remember patterns. Uh-huh. Um, and so I want to ask you this question, man. You know, for you, giving advice to maybe someone else or myself, how does one spark that creative mind to, you know, create their own pattern instead of just trying to remember something they've seen? How do you go about that process? Okay, so I've over the years I've used various different ways. Like it, I remember Ed the Salsa Freak wrote something on our website years ago. It's like when it comes to creating, you know, when you learn a move, instead of doing it with your left hand, try it with your right hand. Try it with the other hand. Try it with someone the other way. So I was always that was the first way of me creating, just trying it in a different way, doing the same move but in a different way, and then. Uh, over the years, I've done so many different things. One of the things that really helped me is, strangely enough, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I remember watching my instructor years ago uh, fight this guy, uh, spar with this guy, and this guy used to kick my ass all the time. So I watched my instructor. My instructor was a short, um, older Brazilian guy with glasses. If, if you see him in the street, you see you say he's so unassuming. And he said to the guy, come, let's buy. He took off his glasses, took off his watch. And the way he just floated around this guy, it was so amazing. The way he controlled every movement. And I, you know, I said to myself, how can I do that in salsa? Because I had an experience like a little time before that I could dance with a lot of girls in London because they were used to the crazy moves that we were doing all the time. But when I went other places, they couldn't. And I remember dancing with this girl. And I did a move and she fell on the floor. And I'm like, why did she fall on the floor? What mistake did she make? And then I, then I said to myself, hold on, what about me? What did I do? How could I make sure she doesn't? I want her to do the same move that I do in London, but how can I adapt to her if she cannot adapt to me? So this is where I've developed this, this system and how to move, manipulate the body. You know, and um, so it's all about really for me creating now is all about understanding what my partner can do, what my partner's body can do, understanding the timing, understanding the constraints of the dance of the salsa. So what I'm saying is that I could do something completely crazy, lead by the elbow, lead by the ear, whatever. And I know now how to come correctly on the time. Because I understand the basics of, the, of everything what I'm doing, you know, and everything my partner's doing. So, and I, I really think if you really understand the basics, and I've developed a system of basics, 
that uh, if you understand those systems of the simplest moves that we do, a double spin, an inside turn, an outside turn, a copa, uh, a 360, I call it. I think you guys call it something different in the States, like a, 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 a 360 open break turn kind of thing. Yeah, and you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, if you understand the basics of those moves and understand at what point you lead the actual turn, what point you get the energy moving forward, then you can start to create anything. Now, when I'm dancing, I don't think anymore. I know how the body is going to move. I know how it's going to react. I don't know. I know the basic move that I might do, but how I do it is just going to happen. You know, it's like learning the martial arts and then going and free fighting. You never know what your next move is going to be. It just happens. You just go with the flow. I definitely understand it. So I feel like it's two things. Well, I feel like the first thing you're saying is definitely master the basics, correct? Always master the basics. Always master the basics, and 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 what you know, if you're not in the in, in the if you don't have the capacity yet to create your own stuff, just try do something a little bit differently. That's it. And and so let me ask you this thing. So, um, are you recommending that <laughs> salsa dancers take up Brazilian jujitsu classes as well? I, listen, anything, anything can inspire, anything. You can do, like I did a little bit of contact uh, contemporary. I had a partner who was like an amazing high-level ballet dancer that moved over into contemporary, and she taught me a lot about body weight and um, counterbalancing and stuff like that. So that really helped. So it's absolutely everything that you can throw and use in salsa and you can you know you can go and learn lindy hop and bring something out of that you know i've seen uh, moves that they, i've i've seen in a lindy hop show and i can do it straight away in salsa there's so many inspirations you know and it just depends how deep you want to get i've gone into a like a I, 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 sometimes i can go into a trance just thinking about breaking down these moves and i can i can see them i can visualize them i can uh, i can feel where i can lead my partner without causing injury you know Okay, so I guess getting back to my original question, then you know, I was asking about creativity. So is the is the key to creativity, you know, I guess mastering the basics? Is that what it is? Is that is that what has allowed you to be so creative? Or well, I we see we got to look at it like this. Over the years, over say a twenty twenty two year period, basics in this side of the world have changed. Okay, let me talk about London specifically. Our style in London in the beginning was a hybrid Colombian-Cuban style. Because our teachers were, there was a couple of Cuban guys and a couple of Colombian guys and the, the styles kind of, they came, they, they had their way of dancing that kind of spread around and that's how everybody was dancing. But it's not necessarily how everybody else was dancing that, at that time around the world, you know? So my basic at that time is completely different to the basic that I'm doing now. So we were doing this kind of tap to three tap kind of thing. And now I, I, I would never teach that. Also, um, I'll give an example. The basics that what we was teaching uh, um, back in the days, like if you're doing a basic step, if we do, we're talking about dancing on the one, right? If I'm talking about dancing on the one, we go one, two, stop, and five, six, stop. If you look at how people dance on the two, they go one, two, three. There's a constant, constant moving. So now 
we dance on one in the same fashion as we dance on two. We go one, two, continuous moving, five, six, continuous moving. So the basics has changed from that from that time. So that's just one example. So even like a single turn, the way that we was doing a single turn back in the day has changed. How I lead it now has changed. So right now I've developed, I've not developed, I the way I see my basics is completely different than I did before. And I'm spreading this thing that I'm doing. You know, I feel like a salesman trying to pitch my, my thing now, but I'm, I'm really selling the minimum amount of force, minimum amount of effort to do exactly the same thing that we could with other people are doing like a single turn, a double spin, an inside turn. I developed the system so I don't have to use force. And I, I believe that, is a real basic. The, the, what I'm doing, I'm not saying that other people are not doing the real basic, but this is a basic that I think can be universal in the way that the human body, no matter which continent it is, is exactly the same. Now, if you in your town is dancing a certain way, then you go to Japan and try and dance with people in that way, it might not work because you're used to dancing with the girls that dance like that. Yeah. So your basic is not necessarily transferable over to what they're doing in Japan or Australia or China. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is why I'm I'm trying to stand out a little away from what everybody else is doing and trying to do something that's more universal that anybody can do. I guess you. And so I feel like you, you might be alluding to, um, you know, is it called your, your salsitsu? Is that what you uh, have you lived with yeah. it? That that's the the concept of my uh, okay. my leading and following and uh, the creation of moves. That's okay. why. I call it. And and so tell me this man, and it may be difficult to put it into words, man. But you know, um, you know, for listeners out there who want to, you know, maybe improve their leading, um, how can they lead? You know, with the least amount of force. You know, without. You know, I guess with the least amount of energy spent, if I'm if I'm saying that right. All right. So look at it like this. I'm, I'm going to get a little technical. Tell me if I'm going too much now. Like, um, for example, you dance with crossbody. If you dance on one, you dance on two. You know, most people, unless they dance in Cuban style, most people dance in a line. So when a guy is actually leading that, all right, what we what we tend to do is we tend to overcomplicate things. As guys, we tend to think about what our feet are doing, what our hands are doing, what our partner's doing, and doing so many things at the same time that we mess up the lead. Now, if we take some of those things away, so instead of trying to lead your partner to a bit to a basic step, if you have a good connection, your partner's gonna do a basic step with you, so you don't have to force it. Now, what you want to do now, because a lot of people do this, is this is something that I, I see all over the world. A lot of ladies do this, they do the same small steps all the time. Okay, so everything, every basic step is the same size, same length. So when it comes time to lead in a crossbody, they have to do an extra big step. Now, if you know how to adjust those steps to make it uh, to make it more flexible, that way now you can control what your partner is doing a little bit more. So if I have that connection and I want to lead my partner for a crossbody, I don't have to force anything my body movement is actually going to lead it. So I don't have to think so much about my hands leading them. My body's doing it. If you understand what I'm saying, I'm getting a little bit deep here. No, no, continue on. I understand. Yeah. All right. So that, that's the first thing is really understanding that your body does most of the work. 
uh, so your, your body instead of your, I guess when you're saying your limbs, maybe your, yeah. your arms. And... What we do is we focus on doing this. Right, kind of right, 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 right. Uh, if we focus on that energy, creating that energy between you, you and your partner, creating that energy together. So the two of you are moving together like this. And when you want to lead her for a crossbody, you're using that same energy all the time. Because what a lot of what we what I tend to tended to do back in the days was go like one, two, stop and and go across. And I can see I can see that energy and that force you're using right there. You you see what I'm saying? Now what I'm trying to do is lead with that same energy. And now if I if I can get my partner to move up and down like this fluidly, now I can start to manipulate that energy, make her turn when I want at the right moment and now i can start i can start doing a load of different things and i can lead it in so many different ways i'm not restricted to just the hands i go to the elbows the shoulder the waist we we all know the neck i can there's a a crossbody inside turn i do with just just slightly touching the back of the neck it's it's an illusion but there's ways of doing that if you understand the flow and the timing do you you know much about brazilian brazilian zook Yes. Okay. I said I don't. I danced a little bit, and a lot of what you say, it um, I I see some resemblance in Brazilian Zouk as well, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I think with this concept, is is it's possible to dance almost any partner dance with this concept. We don't necessarily have to use force to get our partners to do what we want. If you lead it at the right time, if you lead it when she steps at the right moment, but what we tend to do is. A lot of guys tend to do, they focus on the movements that they're trying to lead, but not actually what their partner's doing. So the partner has to adapt. And this is what's been going on for years. Ladies have been adapting to bad leading of guys. You know? And what I'm trying to do, rather than having anybody adapt to adapt in a negative way, and I'm trying to find a way that we can, like, on the dance floor, one dance, just find a way together. Like, I can take somebody that's a relative beginner, and lead them for crazy moves, but only doing like the simplest things. But I'll make it look crazy, like simple turns, crossbody inside turn, led in different ways, you know. So there's so many things that we can do if we do understand a common basic. Let me let me let me put it like that. Okay, um, I understand that. Okay, let me ask you this, man. Um, I am very curious to hear. Um, how, how long have you been teaching? I well, I've been dancing twenty two years, and actually, I started teaching maybe after two years. Okay, and I wasn't very good. I don't think <laughs> I was. Uh, I've I've kind of taught myself over the years. I've listened a, to a lot of people. I've read a couple of books here and there, and I, I in the beginning I used to go around to classes and just take notes of how the pe- teachers were teaching it. Like it, it was I was so bad. I had nice moves, I think, at the time, but I didn't know how they worked as such. And it was so bad with my timing that I used to get my dance partner to count in my ear, like, so I could get everybody on time. So she would go, five, six, seven, and I shout out, five, six, seven, <laughs> and then we'd go. But I've, I've taught, my, taught myself, I've watched a lot of different things, I've learned a lot of different techniques, and now I'm confident I can go into any any classroom, anywhere, any style, even even if I don't speak the language, I'm I'm, I'm confident I can find a way to communicate. Because that's one thing I'm doing. I'm very passionate about teaching. I love teaching. So I can if if I'm in a room full of hungry people 
that want to really pick my brain, want to learn something, I've got something for them. It doesn't matter what level, who it is, I have something. I'm sure. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And so I asked that question, man, because I'm very curious to know, um, you know, are there any, you know, common mistakes you see in your classes that you wish you could rectify for leads or follows? Oh, there's always common mistakes. There's something like what I was saying about the fluidity of the movement. That's something that I'm always going on about. I'm like, is it probably gets to the point where it's annoying for my students. I, I'm really focusing on trying to get them to do everything smoothly. Like I'm, I'll, I'll get them to lead the same routine. I'll teach them a routine and I'll get them to lead the same routine just with their little fingers. So they realize how much force that we do actually need. And it's not much. And also getting the ladies to relax and go with the flow rather than being dragged around. Because a lot of ladies think, oh, the guy is throwing them around. So they, what they'll do is they get tense, you know, and then the guy gets more forceful and then it becomes a, a war. So, we, you know, we we have to find a way to start relaxing and find that common resistance together. OK, I understand that, man. I definitely understand that. I want to... um. Yeah, I guess I kind of want to get back to your story. So, you know, you tell me, you know, you started taking classes and you you only dance with your mom. Um, you know, I guess when did uh, you know, at taking classes, when did you start to maybe take it more seriously? You know, what got you to want to teach? <laughs> well, I actually didn't want to teach. I had uh, it was not even not even on my mind. Uh, what was on my mind was that I, um, after about a year, I got myself a dance partner. Somebody introduced me to uh, this girl and we started dancing together. Alison, her name was, and we started dancing together. We would just go around to my place or get to a studio around her place and just make up moves, just make up stuff. And then we decided that there was a competition coming up and we got to a level that we were going to the clubs and we, and back in those days, how it used to be that if somebody good was dancing, everybody else would stop and just watch, you know, like in some of the congresses, if the, some of the superstars get on the dance floor, it was making a circle watching. This was happening in small clubs. So everyone, if you, if you made it to the point where everybody stopped and watched you, that means you were good. So, um, I, we, we was getting to that point so we decided to do a competition and we didn't win we I, we didn't even place and I I, I think I made a, a mistake in it and and I was dancing in the wrong way in that wrong direction but there was these guys from Holland um, one of them I don't see anymore but the guy that came second place is actually a good friend of mine and I see him all the time and I always tell him the story he actually changed my outlook because he was walking past me during the day, like there was like dancing during the day. He was walking past me during the day and he just did this stop and a body roll and his head movement and it all worked out with the music. And I was like, what the hell was that? Because I didn't know anything about musicality. I just knew about spinning and cre doing crazy moves. I didn't know how to connect with the music. And, and so that kind of changed my way of looking at things. I've had a lot of little things that have changed my path. And that was one of them. He made me get more serious and really want to work on um, on, on the craft, understanding the music. I, uh, when these guys from New York came over and started teaching us, Nelson and, uh, and Eddie came over at one point 
um, I was doing these classes and they was laughing at us because we didn't understand about timing. We didn't even know where the one was really. We used to count one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, it was crazy. So um, at that time, we, we, we didn't know anything about timing. Now, I remember Nelson Flores laughing at us about our timing. He made a joke about it in the workshop and it, I took offense. So I went and I went to my choreograph at the time. And this is, I think, in uh, 1998, early 1998 or 1999, actually. I went to my choreographer and I said, explain me the breakdown of, of the music of salsa, you know, and he sat down, explained all the instruments and it gave me another understanding. And then I started doing little exercises to help me improve and uh, like just only listening to the congas, only trying to dance with the congas, only listening to the, only dancing on the clave. I was doing so many different things to kind of get, to improve myself. And I would always, like every two weeks, I would give myself a different task. Yeah. Like I would go, I would go to a club and I would say, okay, I'm only going to lead single turns. So I'd have to find ways of having a creative dance and having a fun dance with my partner, but only doing single turns, which is a challenge. Or I would dance with somebody and I would only try and lead them with my left hand or my right hand or try and lead them just with both hands. Uh, at one point I was doing something stupid where I was leading girls on the one, but I was stepping on the two. Okay. I don't know why I was doing that, but it helped to understand a lot of different things. How to, um, you know, uh, coordination. It taught yeah. me a lot of coordination. I used to dance on the four at one point. You know, I, I imagine it, that. Yeah, well, in Puerto Rico, well, still there's there's still people that dance on the four. Okay, that break on four. Um, I, I, I would always have some kind of little task to do. I, I, sometimes I'll go into the dance floor and just dance with my eyes closed. Uh, or that, have a dance where I'm trying to just make my partner smile. Yeah. Or make my partner laugh. Or, you know, just just have fun. I definitely understand that, man. I definitely do. So, and so, so tell me this then. You know, you told me that um, you, know, you had to learn to... Or you, you've been teaching for a while. Tell me about... You know that first year of you teaching, because I, you know, I know we both know, you know, um, dancing and teaching, you know, are two different abilities, two different skills. So, you know, so tell me about that first year of you teaching. What was that like for you? Well, it was the challenge at the time was not creating the patterns. I already had. I already came up with a, a, a way of creating moves. But the way I was teaching was, in the beginning, was what, how I was taught. So I would always teach the basics of what I was taught, but not necessarily what I was doing. And this is, this is one thing that I've, I've noticed around the, the place, around the world, actually. People sometimes teach things that they don't actually do and it took it's taken me many many years to find out what i actually do and be able to teach it you understand so at that time there in that first year i had i had quite a few students I had a lot of people coming to my classes because i was always doing something different something something new something inspired by some 
something, somebody other than uh, like the teachers in the UK. So I was getting inspired by the guys from LA, from New York, anybody that came around, I was getting inspired. So I always have something new. So it was quite an exciting time, but I know my level of teaching now as is much better, but it's, it's all been a learning process. You know, I'm thankful to all of my teachers and I'm thankful to all of my students for asking me those questions in the class that helped me to, um, because, so I have a, what I was doing all the time is that whatever I would teach during the, cause I wasn't, I wasn't doing Congresses straight away, but whatever I teach during the week, I would teach in a, in a weekend in a Congress. So I always had something new in every Congress. So anything that my students, any questions that my students have, any problems that my students have, I would already know the answer. So when I get to a Congress, I can teach it even with even more, uh, uh not authority, but we've even more understanding of what people have to do. So um, things have changed a lot, but that, those, those beginning years did teach me a lot. So let me ask you this then, um, you know, in trying to give value to some aspiring teachers out there, uh-huh. what, what advice could you give, you know, your, your, yourself back then you know what what things do you know now that you wish you knew back then when it with regards to teaching exactly yes uh, um, you know what it's all about the journey i don't think i would change anything i would I, i wouldn't be where i am today if i was to give myself the magic key what I think is the magic key to get there. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? It's all about the it's all about the journey. Everything, every every time I've I've sat down with somebody in a car and talked about moves or creating moves in an underground or taught in a different country, they didn't understand what I'm saying. I didn't understand what they're saying. Having to learn to communicate with the body, how to how 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 to connect with the timing, how to connect with our bodies. There's so many things. There's so many things that I could not teach myself in one go. I couldn't teach anybody that one go. It would, you, you would have to live in my shoes for twenty years to get to okay. where I. Now I understand that, and I, and I feel like you know you probably, you might not even be able to catch it all. No, you, yeah, wouldn't. yeah you I wouldn't. understand that. I could, I could, uh, I would probably, probably the advice I would give is like more like on the basics, and it would probably get people to learn a little bit more quicker than they were doing at that time. Because if you think about it, how we learned back then without YouTube and everything else, the way we learned was a little bit um, slower than now. So a, a class that we did back in the day then is nothing in comparison to a beginner's class that we'll do today. It's slightly different or it's, it's slightly different in the way that I would teach it. So I would like for me personally, when I did my first salsa class, it took me two weeks just to do the basic step. And I pride myself on being able to teach anybody a basic step within a, within minutes to the point where they can just at least just do basic steps to sell some music with the timing. So there's, there lies the difference. Okay. And I definitely understand that, man. I want to, I want to bring up something you brought, you talked about earlier. You know, you said you, at one point you started taking, um, you know, Brazilian, Brazilian, uh, Brazilian jujitsu classes. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, man. 
can you put into words? And yeah, I think you may have already done this, but can you put into words, you know, how learning those techniques and, and you know, those techniques, how has that affected or, or influenced your your dancing, if at all? All right. So you could take you could take any um, grappling martial art, anyone. It doesn't have to be Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Just, just think about it. The, 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 the first thing that anybody learns in any kind of self-defense is probably just like turning somebody's wrist and making them go down to the ground. All right? Now, just by rotating the wrist to where the joint cannot go any further, you've actually taken the body where, taken that, that joint to where it cannot go any further. So you've actually got full control. You can take it down or you can keep it where it is. So you've got control of that position. Now, what my concept is, is it, what I see with the martial arts is once you understand how to manipulate somebody else's body to get them to go where you want. If you can add in that to salsa, it's easy because we've got a set, strict set of rules which is our timing, the one, two, three, five, six, seven. We've got a strict set of rules of how we lead a single turn, how we lead a double turn, an inside turn, outside turn. Once you understand those rules, you know how to manipulate. As a, as a martial artist, forget about timing. You can make somebody turn with a minimum amount of effort. You know, it, it doesn't, you don't have to have any music. I can take anybody in the road and get them to do a turn simply, even if they don't know what a, what a, what a spin is. And now understanding how another human, your body works, how another human body works can, can improve tenfold your dancing. And I've, over the years, I've realized there's a lot of martial artists that got into salsa. You know, because what, what are we doing, basically? We go to classes, we learn patterns. And then we go on the dance floor and we churn out those patterns. They regurgitate them on the dance floor, right? Exactly. So when you go to a martial art class, you learn these forms. And then when you go and spar, you put these forms and these, these movements that you've learned into practice. And you have to adapt as, as you go along. In the beginning, you're doing the same moves all the time. After a while, you, you, you're reacting to your partner. And for me, dancing is like a f free fighting without the blood and the, and, and, and the pain, normally. You know? But that, that, that's what it is. It's all about how to react to your partner. You led your partner forward. What are you going to do now? Make your partner turn. And as a follower, that person has to react to what's going on without making themselves heavy. You can, you can, you can uh, take a punch or you can roll with the punch and then react afterwards. And that's what's happening. When we're leading, our partner's in, in, in fact rolling with, with whatever move we're giving. You understand? We don't want to force our partner. We want to invite our partner to do it. And understanding the human body helps you to do that even more. I definitely understand that, man. Let me, let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, what are some things that you've learned from dancing that you're able to translate to your everyday life? From dancing? Well, I think it's that question for me. Dance salsa is a is a big umbrella. Why is it a big umbrella? Because I'm not just dancing socially anymore. 
I'm performing, I'm choreographing, I'm doing a lot of things. And one big part of what I'm doing is traveling. I travel all over the world to teach. So that has allowed me to do so many things. That's what this dance has given me. It's given me the ability to travel. It's given me, it's given me the motivation to learn another language. Is you know, it, it, it's given, it's given me so much, and it's, uh, and now I'm able to teach so many places, so many different places. Like I'm in a couple of weeks, I'm going to China. I was in Japan last year, Australia, and going to places where I didn't know they were dancing salsa before. And going to these places and then giving them something that I have, you know, something personal to me. And it, 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 that's what dancing has given to me. It's given, opened so many doors that I never knew I could, you know, I could walk through. That's awesome, man. That's amazing. Um, that, that's really cool. I was going to ask you, um, going back to, you know, you said you, you're doing a lot of choreography as well as performing, man. Could yeah. you give me some you know hints and tips for any aspiring choreographers out there as well as hints and tips for any aspiring performers out there all right i'm i again i'm I, i'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to the choreography and like breaking down of moves and stuff like that so i tend to start a choreography I, I started choreography in these different ways, but when I'm, if like, if I'm explained to someone, I, a system that I use is if I've got the music first, which doesn't usually happen for me now, but if I have the music first, I'll break it all down on paper so I can visualize it. And then I'll choose every section. I'll, I'll, I'll label every section. It might be the chorus. It might be the trumpet section. It might be the verse. It might be the piano section. I'll decide what I'm going to do in each of those sections. And then I'll start working on that. And I will tend to, this is, this is my simple way of choreographing. I'll tend to work on the hardest thing first. No, I'll tend to work on something that's quite easy. Like for me, it's uh, partner work. So I'll put in, I'll put in a good, um, chunk of partner work in a section that I've decided on paper. So I'll just make those moves up and go with the music. And then I'll probably do something, some footwork. But as I'm doing the footwork, what I'll do is I'm choreographing it. I will loop that music over in my head. Like I'll cut it on, on my laptop or, or back in the days is a mini disc. I'll loop it and just play it in my headphones and just dance it and just feel it and see what comes out and record myself. And that's what I'm going to do. The best recording that I've made, the best moves that I've done in that recording, that's what I'm going to put in the choreography. So I'm making it piece by piece. So I'm seeing it not only in my mind, I'm seeing it on paper. So it makes it a lot easier because sometimes when we're choreographing, we get we get stuck, we 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 get um, dejected because maybe we're starting, maybe you start at the beginning of the routine, and then you get stuck on one thing. If I do if I do it on paper, I can start wherever I want. And then if I get stuck on something, I'll just go and move on to something else. And it's right there on paper or right there on my laptop. So it makes it easy. So now with that system, I can choreograph a routine in, in maybe hours if necessary. You know, depending on the level that I want to give, it, it, I can choreograph a routine like that. That's my basic system. The other way is just something that I cannot really explain. It just all happens in my head. I just like I will, I will visualize it. I will, I will actually see a stage in front of me, 
and maybe I'll listen to music or maybe I'll have a concept and I'll just see things happening on stage. I won't see the actual movements, but I'll just see kind of like how things are, are kind of transpiring on stage and then I'll try and make moves to those movements. So that so that's how I choreograph. It's some, you know, it could come from anywhere. I can be inspired by watching an opera or a ballet. Or I could I could see somebody walking down the street and that would just give me some inspiration. Now when it comes to performing, there's uh you know, you could never have enough rehearsals. You could never you can never do it too many times. You know. Uh I, sometimes I've been the kind of performer that's you know, see what happens on stage. I'll learn the routine, but I'll just see what happens on stage. And there's some people that like have to know exactly what they're going to do, know exactly where they're going to raise their hand, where they're going to smile, where they're going to maybe scream or something like that. I've, I've always been something that kind of what happens in the moment. And after the fifth time of doing that show, I've got it down. I know exactly how I'm going to do it. So I've never been like the first show has never really been the best show for me. It's always been like the fifth show. I've got it down. So, you know, always, as a performer, always work on making sure, you know, you try and improve every performance, but always rehearse as much as you can and make sure you and your partner are comfortable if you're doing partner work. No, that's very important. Yeah, definitely being comfortable is very, very important, man. Yeah. Let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, and we kind of spoke on it earlier, man. Um, when I when I say the word musicality, yeah. Oh, you know, what does that mean to you? And, and 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 part two is, you know, how does one improve their musicality? Okay, so that's interesting. I'm not a musician and it t- it would take me years to learn. Like I dabble, you know, I I'll dabble with the congas. I I'll, I'll play one the basic rhythm or something like that, but it took me years to just to keep it going fluidly because some something happens where my body just reacts and I go a little bit fast or whatever else and it's kind of it's kind of weird but I can keep time with my body you know so um of I come out it come at it with a different way system like again if I want to when I when I'm choreographing a routine and I really want to understand the music I I try and listen to the music over and over again so I can hear it in my head, but I'll also have it written down on paper. So each count of eight, like one line is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and I'll do that. And I'll have it all down on paper. And then it will get to the point where I don't even have to listen to the song. I can see that. It's like reading notes. It's a simplified way of reading kind of notes. And um, I could see it on paper. And what I'll do, once I've drawn those that out, if there's something... Uh, that happens is something significant that happens in the music. I'll put a line on 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 my uh, so I've got like these lines like this, and I'll put a line like this direction just to make a note. Or during that count of eight, there's something that happens, or there may be two things or three things, and I'll try and work out which count it would be. Whether it's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I'll try and work out which one it is. So at least. I can have it down on paper. I know at that moment on the eight, I have to do something explosive or I have to raise my arm. I have to do something like that. So I have it down on paper. So I don't have to rely on singling out every instrument in my mind. I've got it down on paper and I can do it. Even though now 
using that system, I can actually sing like instruments. I can actually hear the music in a different way. You know, so that did help me. But putting it down on paper, visualizing it. I'm a visual person, so visualizing it makes a big, big difference. Hey, now I understand that, man. I definitely understand that. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, I guess really, you know, I guess kind of like the final question, man. Final question I want to ask you, man. Um, can you give me one tip that can make anyone a better dancer immediately? Anyone. One tip. Relax. Enjoy. That's it. You know, we, we a lot of people get serious and uh, it's good to get serious. Don't get me wrong. You know, if you want to progress, you've got to take it seriously, you, <clears throat> depending on what level you want to get to. But you have to enjoy the process. If you don't enjoy the process, it's going to show. You know, I've seen shows where the people just look like they're just fighting on stage and they just, you know, they just want to get this movement done because they've seen it somewhere else. It doesn't look like they're enjoying it, you know? And you want to see somebody that's on stage doing all these, doing these sharp movements, doing all these crazy tricks, whatever, dancing with a style. But you want to make, you want to see it look like it's effortless. effortless. That's what I want to see when I'm seeing somebody dancing. The great ones make it look easy, right? Yeah. And they're enjoying it. Enjoy whatever you're doing, whichever direction, however far you want to take it. Enjoy the process. Enjoy As it. I said, that that, uh, that happiness is, is, is infectious, right? Yeah. Yeah, because, like, you know, you don't want to be the person that's in the on the dance floor as a woman that's only thinking about making themselves look good. Only thinking about styling. You don't want to be that guy that's in the in the in the club that's just trying to do crazy moves and doesn't care who it is, doesn't adapt to the person that they're dancing with. You know, it, it, it's just horrible. Those two types of traits are horrible. You know, you I prefer to see like the old boy that does like one turn every every five you know, every five songs enjoying himself rather than somebody just spinning around or somebody overstyling and not paying attention to their partner. Have fun, have fun together and, and, and make something grow. Whether it's short term, if it's one dance, make that meeting grow into something special. Whether it's a partnership and you're going to do shows together, have fun, make something and, you know, get to your point, but enjoy it as you go in there. You know, the moment it gets too serious and you're not enjoying it, it becomes a job and it's seen. Teaching, enjoy it. If you don't enjoy teaching, don't bother doing it. Ah, that's if, big, if, man, yeah. Yeah, if you have a school and you don't enjoy teaching, you you pay somebody else to, who will enjoy it and you step back. You know, you train them what to do, but don't don't invite people to your studio and you don't enjoy what you're doing. No, that's big. That's definitely big, man. Um, I mean, I, yeah, at this point, man, Mr. Rose, you know, I really want to thank you for taking time out here to talk to me, man. No problem. No problem. No problem. I, I, I noticed your, I saw your podcast. You know, I have my podcast as well with my girl, Gopal. Naked. Yeah, I saw that. Gotta, I gotta plug that. So, uh, you Go know. Ahead, please plug it. Yeah, please plug that, man. You said, what was it? Naked and captured? Is that what you said? 
Naked and Counting. That's on. Uh, we're, we're on. Uh, it's an audio podcast, and we're on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, uh, I was it uh, Radio Play. I forget the names. It's all on. It's all on Facebook. It's all over the place. You can just type. That's in, awesome. Hashtag Naked and Counting with Leon Rose, Magna Gopal, Leon Rose. Hey, Blair, please plug that, definitely, man. Let, let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, you know, what are some of your upcoming events? You know, what do you have going on in your life? All right, so I have my party every week in Paris. I have one in London as well, almost, almost every Sunday. Um, the next event I'm going, my students just won a big competition in uh, Berlin, the Berlin Congress. So I have a student group. That perform. I have my professional team that perform as well. We're gonna be going to. Well, I'm going to China. I took them to China last year. We've got our next gig. I can't even remember. I know I'm going to Bulgaria. I'm going to China. We're going to somewhere in the south of France to perform. We've got a quite a few things going on. Sometimes I'm traveling by myself. Sometimes with the group. Sometimes just with one partner. Egypt, um, Holland. A lot of different places. Just check me out on Facebook. You'll find out what I'm doing. Hey, that's awesome. You are the traveling man. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of things going on. And, and and so tell me this real quick, man. Um, How can people get in contact with you? How can they reach out to you? What are the best ways? I'm on Instagram, Mr. Leon Rose. I'm on Facebook, Leon Rose. Um, you know, the, the social media, I'm on most of the, most of the platforms. I'm not the, the greatest on uh, social media because I... Don't really like it, you know, but uh, we got to use it in this business, right? So um, I am available. It's easy to catch me. Yeah, that's perfect, man. That's perfect, man. See, like I said, uh, Mr. Rose, man, I really appreciate you taking time talking to me today, no man. No problem, man. No problem. No doubt, bro. Um, so, yeah, I think this will wrap it up for this episode of the Two Left Feet Podcast. Thank you so much, Leon. Thank you. you hey, enjoy the rest of your day, man. You too. <laughs> Hey everyone, uh, if you made it this far to all the end of the video, I want to thank you so much. Um, my overall goal with making these interviews and these episodes is uh, to give a voice to dancers, you know, to give them a platform to speak their story. So uh, if this is of value to anyone, then that, that means the world to me. Um, my overall goal is to give value to the dance community. So, if you find no value in this, and I, I urge you to please let me know where I can improve on. Um, I, I truly want to, you know, just uh, give value and content to, to the dance community. Um, so, please let me know how I can improve, where I'm messing up, because to be 100% honest with you, um, you know, I'm learning along the way as I do this. I, I truly am. So um, to be able to interact with, you know, the dance community, it means the world to me because it, it gives me feedback and it lets me know, you know, what I'm doing right, where I can improve upon, um, you know, what I'm doing wrong, which I feel like might be more important. Um, so please, if you all could, could comment and just let me know what you think, it, it means the world to me because, you know, that feedback just helps me improve. So, um please comment uh as well you know please 
like and subscribe. That means a lot as well. Um, but, you know, I, I want to say thank you so much for for just watching this because it means the world to me. Um, you know, I want to... I want to take you on this journey of the Two Love Feet podcast. You know, I'm, I'm very excited for it. So once again, thank you so much.